But the one thing I do know is that while alcohol-free beer is growing 100% a year or 87% in pandemic year, the level of hypey coverage of the alcohol-free industry is growing at 3,000%. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cyber Malt. With over 25 <laughs> years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud sponsors of this. And this is Brews News Week. I'm your host, Pete. Please let me into Queensland, Mitchum. And joining me to take a hard look at the news, the views and the issues are the founder and editor of Australian Brews News, Matt. Please let Pete into Queensland, Kierkegaard, <laughs> but not ace reporter and senior journalist, Claire. I'm laying on a beach somewhere in Queensland as we speak. Thanks for asking, Burnett. G'day, Matt. G'day, Pete. How are you? And sorry about that. Misspeak in the uh, the opening there. Um, cyber you're not the only know. one. <laughs> A shout out to uh, Andy Scade and uh, and all the guys over there in WA, a very successful Brewers Conference and Royal Perth Beer Awards, which I was supposed to be hosting. But apparently uh, I have done myself no ill service uh, because whoever did take over, and it may or may not, uh, cannot confirm nor deny that it was Andy Scade who stepped into my boots at the last minute, uh, thanked the major sponsor of the awards, Cyber Malt. It's not just uh, matter propisms, it's Andy Skater propisms as well. There we go. You know, matter propism just kind of rolls off the tongue a little bit. I know. I, I don't think I've ever gotten our major sponsor's name wrong um, in the title. No, no, I don't think you have. <laughs> I've, I've got, made a lot of mistakes, but not that one. Yeah, but we have thanked Cry Malt. Cry Malt, they deserve a lot of thanks. They do. Uh, and, so, and well done to them too, yeah, for uh, supporting the WA Brewers Conference. Um, some interesting results over there, which was good to see. I think only Stomping Ground was the only out-of-towner, out interstater, uh, to pick up a major trophy. Now, I don't know whether that is the tyranny of distance means that a lot of brewers outside of WA don't enter the awards. I noticed uh, Royal Queensland, Matt, in the three years that we've been going there, increasing just slowly getting a few more interstaters in. I wondered, do people think, oh, do I want to uh, encroach? Uh, whereas I think it's probably, it's nice to support other states' uh, beer awards, but it also then uh, gives you an idea, I guess, if you, well, is it worth looking at, at, at other markets? Yeah, look, it, it's one of those hard ones that when we, you know, as a, you know, heavily involved in the Queensland Beer Awards. It's, it's one of those things that does you know, always tease my mind. Um, you know, should the state-based competitions be very much state-based um, or should they try and expand nationally? You know, the, the AIBAs, which we've just seen, is a truly national and international competition. And then you've also got the Indies, which is a national um, you know, independent beer competition that I, I think the regional state-based ones are going to be very strong um, statewide. And then, you know, it, it does give a bit of recognition, say you're a Victorian or a you know, South Australian brewery looking at expanding into the Queensland market. It's a good way to get that little bit of recognition um, if you do enter. Um, but, yeah, if, if I had a brewery, I'd find it very hard to justify the time, effort and expense of, you know, shipping beer around the, the, the country for the for the event. So, it's, um... Yeah, yeah. And I think too, it, it, look, it places a lot more emphasis on things like the AIBAs because I guess that's your, an international port of entry. Uh, it, you know, they, they come in and they're judged in Melbourne, but they're then recognised Australia-wide. Whereas I guess the, uh, it's it's great for the local 
competitions for the local markets uh, because I, I do think there is a little bit to be said for there being, well, I call it a house flavour, um, particularly in the, I've noticed in Queensland that the the tropical pale ale style is quite specific to to that market. And it's obviously, you know, the, the brewers are, I don't know whether they're, you know, sitting around catching up together and, and talking about hops and things like that. So they're using similar techniques and similar hops or whether it's, uh, you know, the, the climate and that sort of thing. Uh, they're quite different to, I guess, the, the some of the uh, other pale ale styles that you find in other parts of the country. And I guess they're the beers that you drink most. Like you drink most, mostly your local beers. Yeah, um, exactly. And that, that's where you're going to get your taste. But, you know, it's the same can be said of international beer awards. But it is, as we discussed, it's, it's, it's difficult to then how do you leverage a medal? How do you leverage a trophy? How do you turn that into sales or, you know, turn that interest in your beer into, you know, getting your, your brand in hand? Well, I remember so. reading 20 or 30 years ago uh, about the same thing happening, you know, when there was the wine glut, when there was the micro wineries were, you know, sort of, for want of a better term, big business, um, you know, they were certainly getting a lot yeah. of attention. Um, that was always the criticism that, you know, and I don't know if there is a Dapto um, wine, you know, wine show. Wine show, but, we you know, Dapto or Dubbo. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tend to but some regional towns like the Dapto wine show and suddenly you, you know, you, you start metal hunting at some of the less prestigious um wine shows that maybe don't have the a list of judges and you know and that's the thing when you look at some of the judges who just judge in almost every competition you think well when are you actually in your brew house um and you know suddenly you see these obscure wine bottles bedazzled um with um medals um and unless you actually stop and read the fine print you know uh, is it a major a wine award or is it yeah, Dubbo? Exactly. <laughs> you know, Dubbo, Dubbo Show Society? Well, at least if you did want to, I guess, champion your achievements, um, you could do it quite cheaply, Matt. Did you know that for just nine ninety five plus GST and freight, you can get 500 bronze, silver or gold medal labels, uh, the official uh, AIBA ones, through our good friends at Rowling's Label Stickers and Packaging? I did not know that, Pete, but that was a lovely segue. That was serious. Well, if you've read the script like I did. Well, oh, so following <laughs> the recent sponsorship of the 2021 AIBA Best Label and Surface Trophy, Rowling's Label Stickers and Packaging had an overwhelming response to the offer um, to purchase bronze, silver and the gold medal labels, which then you can you can use, you know, on all sorts of um, uh, marketing materials and that sort of thing. Um, so they're available, as I say, 10 bucks for a roll of 500. That's pretty good. That's not bad. So the offers are still available to any current winners um, of the, the the medals, so, so the 2021 AIBAs. Uh, also able to offer past year labels. I don't know, is it like a collector series? Um, but they need <laughs> to produce those on a, an as-needed basis. So if you'd like to organise purchasing previous year's medals, email sales at rallingsprint.com.au or call that number 1300 852 235 and talk with either Paul or Brad uh, with uh, any of this um, and then, you know, uh, all the other stuff, the labels, the sleeves, packaging questions, all that sort of things. Rallings, Matt, are the complete package. And good friends of the show. Um, I, I was speaking yeah. to Brad this morning and uh, Matt, actually just to give us a plug, um, you know, wherever they go, they put the Rallings sign up and people come up and chat to them based on, you know, having heard them on the uh, podcast. So if you've uh, got a business that wants to target brewers, we might be able to help you out as well. Yeah, and we're happy that to say magic. that they, they're still the same down-to-earth blokes that they were before we discovered them. <laughs> um, yeah, back when they were nobodies, they were, they were just good, honest blokes, and now that they're somebodies, thanks to us, they're still good, honest blokes. Um, <laughs> yeah, have, we got a, have we got a clear update? 
Uh, it was her birthday. Happy Claire birthday, Claire, on Mondays. Yeah, happy birthday, Claire. So, uh, yeah. was that her reason for? Is she actually just at home? Like she hasn't actually gone on holiday. She just didn't want to be here for us to sing happy birthday to her. <laughs> she was meant to be going to WA, but uh, so had blo- blocked the, the the week off. Um, couldn't get to WA because of COVID, um, but still had the week off. So she's sunning herself somewhere in. Did she end up getting I, to Noosa? To I, Noosa? I, I think there was some time up at Noosa. Yes, oh, um, that's good. So yeah, no, no, <laughs> I don't want to give too much away in case you know groupies start following it. No, that's right. There's not yeah. going to be a boom this week, um, and people might go you know looking for the boom. Yeah, don't look for the boom. Right, we give you a heads up right from the start. There will be no boom. So write your cards and letters now don't tell if them you want. That. That's the only reason people listen to the end. Ah, uh, well, there might be something special at the end. Who knows? Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, let's do the news. To the news. Uh, and now we cross live to the Australian Brews News Media Centre for a wrap of the stories making news this week in beer. And Matt, usually be, we begin at one, but our top story this week sees us start at zero. <laughs> yes. Uh, Great Northern Zero goes national amidst no low bullishness. As industry bullishness around alcohol-free beer grows, Great Northern has today announced it is taking its non-alcoholic brand extension national. Great Northern's Lauren Files said the country's largest beer brand's foray last year into the non-alcoholic beer market reflected the booming demand amongst Australians for alcohol-free beer options. Does it reflect a booming demand or is it, this is new, I will go out and try it? Mate, they, well, I mean, taking Great Northern National, Great Northern pioneered itself in uh, Queensland 10 years ago. It was the trial market. Once it bettered down here, they took it national. Um, yep. Same sort of thing. So trial it in the market, see how it goes, then decide how, whether they're going to put the same sort of resources nationally. Um, but, you know, I've nailed my colours to the mast well and truly over alcohol-free beer. Love it. Like the innovation. You know, if you drink it, go for it. Yep. But it has its place. It has its place, but, you know. Several places. Like There are several occasions, I think, yeah, that it's it's a valid option. Every uh, every time there's an article, and there are lots of articles in the uh, mainstream media about um, alcohol-free beer um, that seem to be press release generated from the people who are making the alcohol-free beer, which tells you something. But, you know, somebody sends me a link to it um, or tags me in it. And, you know, Paul Bowker, our guest on Business Conversation this week, recently tagged me on LinkedIn. There was an interesting article in the Sydney Morning Herald that quoted James Atkinson, former editor of Australian Brews News and a media trophy winner at the Dual media trophy winner. Dual media, yes. He's a multi-award winning beer. The first multi-award winner. Um, (laughs) But... And, and everyone tags me about it because, they, you know, it's, it's almost as if to say, you know, you could be wrong, Kierkegaard. Um, and I could be. I, As I said, look, I've got no problem with it. I just think that there is a, a fair amount of gravity that alcohol-free beer is trying. And so somebody sent me uh, – Gravity. Uh, well, you know, like the, the laws of physics, you're constantly being pulled down. So No, I was saying gravity, uh, like the original gravity finishing. Oh, gravity. no, no, yeah. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Sorry, gravity. I thought in, you were punning. No physics. Um, yeah, you know, so it needs a, it, it needs a lot of momentum. It needs a lot of a, a big rocket to actually drive this thing to permanent growth. You know, anyone that's um, you know jumped on a one of those little bladder rockets that shoots up, you know, very quickly thirty feet, but then gravity pulls it back down pretty quickly. And I don't know whether alcohol free beer is one of those. But somebody sent me eighty seven percent growth in twenty twenty. Yeah, well, that's what's, you know, the the big retailers report. Can you take 200%. anything that happened in twenty twenty, you know, in and of itself as a, as an indicator of anything? Look, do we do we have to kind of have to put a, put an asterisk next to every result and in just see what's coming? Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, the interesting thing for me was the the expected growth in the uh, the, the market for non alcoholic beer is expected to be worth one hundred and thirty five million 
by 2025. So that's in, in three years' time. Yeah, well, but it's a, such a small base. And we're still, you know, as we talk about, you know, if, if you sold a million litres of beer last year in a market of billions of litres and you grow 300%, you're still just a bigger puddle. Um, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but to put, to put, a, put a figure of 135 million, that's that's saying we're going to be brewing, everyone's going to be selling, selling a lot of non-alcoholic beer. Um, yeah, well, yeah, but if, if it's a mainstream beer market, um, I mean, that we, we don't know. But the one thing I do know is that while alcohol-free beer is growing 100% a year or 87% in pandemic year, the level of hypey coverage of the alcohol-free industry is growing at 3,000%. You know, the number of articles every week in the mainstream media, it has become an SEO generation tool and it's being driven by the people who are making it, you know, and some of the breakaway alcohol-free beer brands clearly are one of the few things that may be sold. You know, the big breweries don't want to buy craft breweries anymore, but if you've got a very successful alcohol-free craft brand, then you're in the market. And if, you know, if, if you're in the market, you're going to be selling that dream and that promise and coming to the attention of the people with the money bags to invest or buy in it. So there's a lot of business pressure on, you know, creating hype and awareness about it. And, you know, even, you know, as I keep coming back to, if everybody that reads these mainstream articles that are constantly coming out, go out and buy one beer, one alcohol-free beer to trial, you're going to see more than 100% growth. Like you're going to see multiples of that. And the fact that it's only 100% growth, it's either, you know, like a very, very slow, um, you know, early days um, growth. But given the amount of hype, I would really expect to see much more trial. Um, But then again, everyone I guess. Yeah, go on. Uh, but you know, listen to the chat with Paul Bowker this week. He, uh, he, you know, he's one of the guys that's very bullish about it, and I, you know, I really respect, um, you know, him as a businessman and the, the way he thinks. So um, exactly. I certainly listen. I've just got my, I, we have doubts. As yeah, and to that point though, too, Matt. I think if you try one and you like it, then you're more likely to to try again. If you try one, and you go, it just tastes like watery VB. Then you might go. That that was my trial. I'm I'm going back to. Uh, whereas as I say, we're we're a little bit more involved and a little bit more committed. So we're going to go. Okay, I didn't like that one. I'll try. What are these guys doing? Or what, what's this one like? You know, more likely to to try a few more. Hmm. Uh, now, one story that we touched on a little bit last week, and it's a similar one following up uh, this week: pitfalls and payoffs of a new age of social media. Yeah, um, this was one of Claire's articles, and we we talked about it. Uh, so it's pitfalls and payoffs of uh, social media. Many breweries uh, use social media platforms as the primary line of communication to their customers before their own websites or email databases. But there are pitfalls to this, as several breweries saw when Facebook shut down news pages on its platform after a spat with the Australian government. Um, and Claire got some quotes from Dr. Adam Brown, a senior lecturer in digital media at Melbourne Deakin U- University. This was one, again, it's not really within our news coverage, but it was one of those issues that was a little bit more brewery pro um, mm. content because it was interesting. You know, we, we suffered, uh, we lost um, our Facebook page. Fortunately, we don't use it as our primary communications tool, our email. Exactly. So, we, yeah, it wasn't even our backup. It was, so we we, did, we didn't then have to fall back to our backup. We, we already had our primary. Mm. This was it, just like a, a yeah, 
it's there and we use it um, because it's there, but it, I, I don't think it actually hurt us a jot um, that it wasn't there. But yes, um, a lot of a lot of breweries do put a lot more, I guess, put more of their eggs in the in the one basket of of social media, and specifically, you know, Facebook if they're trying to uh, to get you know like events and uh, marketing and new products and all that sort of thing out to their um, existing and potential loyal customers. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it's one of those things. If you are um, using Facebook as your primary communications tool and you think that it's your audience, you're just flat out wrong because it's Facebook's audience. It costs me nothing to be on Facebook. And Facebook, you know, gets billions of me's um, on their website and then they use you to provide the content so they can sell advertising. But it's not your audience. And just because somebody has liked your page and has engaged with your content, there is this mindset that they're your audience. Um, and, you know, like I've seen Crafty, um, Crafty sponsors a, a lot of his posts saying because of Facebook's algorithm, we sponsor our posts to make sure that the people who have liked our page get it. And that's how we do it. Um, and there's this mindset that because they've liked our page, that's our audience. And I think the reverse is true you are getting free access to people who are already on Facebook, but they're not your audience at all. You know, they may have an interest in you, but if they're your audience, they're going to come to your website or, or do something else. And that was, you know, and a, a lot of, um, you know, we, we've seen a number of Facebook groups shut down without very good reason. Um, you know, Boat Rocker um, was one of the breweries that had its... Um, that seemed to be the only one that of the breweries or that we heard about that actually lost their, you know, had their, were deplatformed. Yeah, well, there, there were one or two others, and it was never really, um, you know, explained. And 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 that's the thing when you've got these companies that scale in a way that is purely algorithmic, um, and they don't have people picking up the phone and saying, "Hey, Matt, look, because of this news thing, we're going to take down your um, page, and and you get to argue the toss." They maybe send you an email, they take you down, and then you spend a couple of weeks going through this automated process and you know if, if you think yeah. trying to speak meanwhile to your, your bank, audience has moved on yeah uh, meanwhile your audience has moved on and you know it's it's, it's your free audience um and you know be 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 warned if, if 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 you're curating your audience on facebook and you're investing your time um and relying on it as a business source be aware that it can come back to bite you very very quickly a quick follow-up on last week because we talked about stomping ground and the uh, the hoo-ha that um, died a very quick death um, by asphyxiation because everyone just turned their backs to it and ignored it uh, about the pot for a shot. Did you see that um, uh, a place that you and I spent some quality time in, Washington State, uh, have offered an incentive for people who are vaccinated? You can get a, um, a pre-rolled joint. I know. I, I, literally, pot for a shot, yeah. Yeah, pot for a shot. So there we go. Speaking of taking a shot, Endeavour Brewing <laughs> founder uh, fails in his wind-up bid, which we uh, – this is a follow-up story to one that we did a couple of episodes ago, Matt. Mate, absolutely. So we, we talked about the uh, shareholder briefing that was held on Zoom a couple of weeks ago. Um, before that, but not held then, um, was a uh, – they called an extraordinary general meeting um, with a shareholder vote to wind the company up. Um now, that move and uh, by the former director, Dan Hastings, um, was beaten even before they took the vote. Um, they basically said, because I think Ben Coyman, who was one of the other you know, three mates and Found their him. mates, yep. um, Ben Coyman has 26.7% of the shares. 
they only needed 25% um, to oppose the move. Um, so effectively, it, you know, if, if Ben was going to vote um, his shares against, it was never going to get up. And that seems to have been what happened. In, in, so it was over very, very quickly. Um, everybody got to vote, feel like they were participating in the process, um, but they were told you're basically wasting your time. Um, there was no opportunity um, for answers, um, that, you know, to ask questions, have answers um, about it. Um, and as I, you know, mate, these are always the hard ones, um, you know, as I've said, because you like the people involved. But at the same time, this became a um, issue with, uh, it became a public issue when, as a business, they went out asking people to invest in a, in, you know, in the public and you are going to be part of our family. Um, and that's when it became you know, a much broader industry issue. One of the things that Dan sent, he sent out a letter afterwards pointing out that, you know, so Ben was able to de derail the wind-up application. He's the only person in the company that's actually still getting paid. So, you know, whether the business return, you know, it's it, even if it was wound up today, investors who, you know, two years ago um, uh, would have you know, bought in at a dollar a share, um, their, their investment um, is now worth approximately nine cents per share a, a return. Um, Dan was arguing that, you know, the the cash reserves, they, they don't have ranging, they're not selling the beer anywhere. They've got a sales and marketing director um, who's getting paid. We don't know um, what he's getting paid, but uh, he's, you know, the person who's... Well, we don't know what he's selling or marketing. Well, and there's very little beer to be sold, you know, So, and that was Dan's argument. Um, and so, look, yeah. it, it, it's it's very, very unfortunate. Um, I have asked the current board, um, because as, as a shareholder, I'm a very small shareholder who was just there to sort of experience the um, process, you know, I've asked questions since the equity crowdfunding about, you know, for information because everyone was told that they were going to be part of the family just haven't been getting any information. I've asked the current board, you know, what happened? There was a substantial turnaround between November when the prospectus was launched and, you know, June when the last lot of figures that were released, you know, 18 months after um, uh, were announced. Nobody can explain what led to that turnaround in a very, you know, in, in the six months post-equity um, crowdfunding, there was a massive turnaround in the company's finances. And the current board says, well, they weren't in control at the time and they've referred me to the former management. The, you know, the, the, the two former directors who have been kicked out um, are going to have their own point of view. Um, but yep. uh, the, the other member of that team was Ben Coyman, who is currently employed but not on the board and I can't ask questions to him on the record because he's an employee. So, yeah, the, the whole thing, it's, it's very, very unfortunate, but it is a, um, you know, a warning to people who approach equity crowdfunding. If you love the brand and you want to help um, the, the the business out and you want to feel part of something, um, go to it. If you but think perhaps that, don't bank on. If you think you know, it's an investment, returns are going to that you can retire on. Yeah, onwards and upwards. A good news story, um, and one business that's certainly not uh, whose future is neither unstable nor uncertain is our good friends at Bintani, who have just opened their new Melbourne warehouse, Matt. 
Yeah, um, Bintani opens a new Melbourne warehouse. Integrated ingredient supply company Bintani says its new warehouse in Melbourne will provide greater storage space for the business, but most importantly represents a multi-million dollar investment in improved processes. Um, yeah, nice little story. It, it's, one, it's one of those stories that we do like uh, on Brews News because you look at the growth of craft beer isn't just selections for brewers, but it's also, um, you know, investment like what we are seeing these businesses that support the industry growing and investing and this is a uh, you know whole new warehouse that's been purpose-built to uh to, to their business and it was a business that what uh 25 years ago i think we did a story um about pete they started selling yeast out of the back shed um at, at their home so literally yep in, yeah, in 1995 um and and you and i have both been uh out to the, ex- the existing um, Moorabbin warehouse, and you, you just wonder, they must be squeezing that thing so hard to get stuff in and stuff out as quickly and as efficiently as they do. This will uh, obviously, um, you know, and as uh, Director Dale Meddings said, uh, you know, it's going to improve their uh, their capability, their, um, you know, improved processes is going to mean that things are a lot more efficient and a lot smoother. And they're also incorporating rooftop solar. Yeah, which, which again, it's one of those things that, you know, ingredients need to be kept fresh. Um, refrigeration is a very big energy drain. And, you know, so they've put uh, 180 kilowatts of power on the roof to help subsidise, you know, to help reduce that footprint um, because, you know... It, it's very clever too, Matt, because it's it's part of the Harry Hawker airfield or more commonly known as Moorabbin Airport. Uh, so you know that there are not going to be 30-storey buildings, um, you know, at any point in the future built right next to you to, to block the sun. It's, it's, it's pretty much going to stay uh, as is. It, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, but it's on the Melbourne southeast and which, as they described, is a nice little brewing hub. Uh, you know, quite a few little breweries down there, um, including Wolf of the Willows, I still yeah. really need to get to. Yeah. And, and look, and, and really a terrific story because back in the early days, 1995, obviously they wouldn't have been selling to uh, ingredients to Cooper's Lion or CUB. So it, it was primarily, um, I guess, you know, either up-and-coming brewers or, or mostly home brewers. A lot of those home brewers then, you know, 5, 10, 15 years later end up with their own commercial breweries and are still buying from Bintani. So it's a, it's a really nice sort of, you know, circle of life story. But, Matt, as one dream sprouts wings and flies, another dies. <laughs> a brew's greenest brewery dream uh, deed. Oh, uh, yeah. Do we, have, do we have to do this one? Well, let's do it quickly you know, just so that people can tick it off on their box. Let's file it um, under no surprises. Um, and, <laughs> you know, so um, after they launched, uh, after they uh, launched on the ASX, you know, raised their $10 million and went on their huge dream laden spending spree, um, they bought this $2 million worth of land in the Ballarat West Employment Zone Industrial Park. Um, they had five years to develop it um, and build a brewery um, making. You know, with 100 employees on site um, to be there to get it, um, and they just haven't. And were they going to build a, a center of excellence as well? Or is oh, that, mate, was that it separate? was. It's one of the things that really made it clear that this was um, hype and hubris over reality because they were going to build. You know, they got a architecture firm to design the world's greenest brewery and. <laughs> that firm won awards for its designs for a brewery that's never going to be built. Um, you know, so, you know, and it, it was one of those things that shows everybody has got a vested interest in pretending something or at least saying, you know, living the dream because 
I, I don't know whether they were actually paid for their designs, but they created the designs and um, won awards for them. And so, you know, on their website, you can still see photos of the brew's greenest uh, brewery. Um, Crohn's was enlisted to quote for this, uh, you know, brewery that could make 480 million bottles of beer a year, making it one of Australia's uh, largest. So, you know, suddenly Crohn's is on board legitimizing this dream because w- w- whether they say anything or not, that they're giving a quote and they don't come out and say, well, no, we don't actually think that this is going to go ahead. Um, so, you know, but nothing's happened. You know, they're, they're, it, where were they going to get $100 million um, to build this brewery when they're borrowing money to place their next order? You know, they had to borrow $980,000 to order their next rate, lot of beer from CUB under their you know now-vaunted um, contract brewing operation. And to, sell it, to, to sell it 13 bucks a slab, yeah. <laughs> just got another one thank you to all of the beer sales reps that are constantly uh, messaging me with um cartons of brew on sale um at so here we go oh actually this is premium uh, i've just been sent i won't say who you are um brew carton buy a carton get a six pack free for 44.90 um but i had one sales rep send me a photo of um a huge stack of um, beer in other warehouses where it was two for um, $60. Um, and apparently they're getting the cartons at $22, um, you know, 80 a carton, which on my calculations is cheaper than the cost of um, making, making it. it. So, and it expires <laughs> in August. So he is absolutely dumping the, I think, 48,000 cartons that he got in his first order dumping them at zero cost, killing the brand, killing the brand value just to make sure that he gets some return on the money that he did the capital raising for. He borrowed money for the second one. So this was just a dream. And you'll, you'll never get, you know, the, the people associated with the company saying anything else because, no. you know, but anyway. I, is, this, I, is he just giving this a fair bit of the George Costanza? <laughs> it's not a lie if you believe it. If you it. believe it, I, I think he absolutely is. But, you know. You may see some movement in the, in, in the horse, but when the uh, vultures are circling, <laughs> um, you know, they know something. And actually, speaking of which, the uh, Melbourne Brewery, no, Mildura Brewery, has a Supreme Court action against it to wind it up for not paying bills for their energy supply. So, you know, I, I suspect that this property sale is going to inject, um, you know, on the face of it, they've made $5 million. So maybe they should just stick with property speculation because they've actually made some money on this. But they owe of the seven point five million dollar purchasing price. They've got to pay back um, a couple of million dollars that they've borrowed. Then they also have other outstanding. No, the purchase loans and, the purchase price was two point one six. Yep. The well, current value yep. is seven point five, isn't it? But they paid. I believe so if they, they get that seven point five. They've got to pay back the two point one six at least because they presumably still owe. Well, they paid the two point one six out of their money that they raised on the ASX list. Oh, the okay. But got then it. they immediately. Um, mortgaged the land and it's been under constant mortgage. So, you know, I, I think they've got a loan um, secured against that land anyway for a, a couple of mil that they've got to pay back, but then they've got other loans and then they've just borrowed a million dollars um, to pay CUB for its next lot of beer that it's selling at below cost. So, <laughs> mate, yeah, things not looking good. Uh, no, but we, uh, it's just, it's the world's greatest slow motion train wreck, isn't it? Like it's still, it's going, it's going to happen. I'll give it anyway. to him. Like we, we've been saying, you know, since James was writing for the site, this, you know, can't go on forever. But 
It is. It, it just it just keeps giving. Anyway, uh, that'll do us for now. That's the news. Nothing else? No late mail? Uh, well, there is, but we'll just sort of have a quick chat. In we'll the, throw it uh, into, yep. So uh, if you do need to get back to work or uh, finish your run or whatever you need to do, thanks very much for joining us. But if you want, you can, you're can. you more than welcome to stick around for a little thing we call Below the Fold. Below the Fold begins, as it does every week, with Mailbag. And we do thank NZ Ale Trail, the New Zealand Ale Trail, who uh, sponsor uh, our mailbag. Head to www.nzaletrail.com or nzaletrail.com. Uh, at NZL Trail on social media to find the best beer experiences in New Zealand as soon as the bubble bursts. It's a bit sad, really, isn't it? I'm more likely to get to New Zealand before I can get to the Sunshine Coast. Anyway. <laughs> Hopefully. Fingers crossed, Pete. Yeah. Uh, now, don't forget, review us on iTunes or you can send us in an email. You can uh, leave a message on either of our Facebook pages. The one, of course, that uh, we encourage you to join if you do enjoy the program is the Facebook group Radio Brews News. Uh, and just use the, uh, the password soapbox. That way we know whether you're a listener or whether you've been referred by somebody else or whatever. A lot of people forget it, but, you know. Um, what was the, the most, most recent one, Matt, that gave me a, a bit of a tickle was uh, somebody said, I don't know, ask Claire. <laughs> so I figure, well, if you know Claire, then... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> I don't know what the password is. Just Soapbox whatever, was just something we came said. up with, but, yeah, just... Yeah, that's it. I'm a listener. That's it. Um, now, speaking of brew, uh, Fresh Hops Co-op of Australia on the Facebook page, Matt. Uh, more profit for CUB now. No green beer, no green brewery, just more average beer being made by CUB. What a scam. Pretty much sums it up, I guess. You might think that. I couldn't possibly comment. No. We'd be rude to. Um, Daniel Ridd in the Facebook group uh, alerted us to an interesting one that's an IP discussion. Uh, a, a possible conflict that's gone the other way. Normally, it's uh, we're reporting on breweries who are, shall we say, pushing the boundaries of um, intellectual property. Daniel found one that might be going the other way, uh, which was uh, Th- Three Little Birds Distillery, which whose logo is pretty much a big curly three, very similar to um, well, Three, three Ravens. Ravens. Yeah, so you got three ravens, and then you got two birds, and you know you just think, why would you? Um, Four risk... pines. Oh, but three what, troopers. I, yeah, I mean, why would you just one drop risk anything that is going to potentially give you headaches down the road? Yeah. So yeah, so I wasn't actually quite sure um, exactly what whether Daniel was saying because that three does look very much like three ravens. Um, almost identical, in fact, but then it's Two Birds um, Distillery, which, yeah, you'd think was a little bit close. but um, No, Three Little Birds Distillery. Isn't it? Yeah, it's Three Little Birds Distillery, but yep. it's close to Two Birds, you know, in terms of naming and I don't know. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, maybe they're, yeah, maybe they're, they're flirting sure. twice. Anyway. So, yeah. All right. Uh, what else? Uh, some nice comments uh, from, again, from female listeners. Um, you know, it, 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 there were some really good comments from uh, male listeners we talked about last night uh, or last week, and I, I think a lot of them were listening, um, you know, just listening to the podcast and, you know, li- literally listening um, and taking it on board. But Sarah Gall um, finally listened this morning. It's an incredibly insightful listen. As a woman who has always found the craft beer scene to be a very safe place for me personally. 
Uh, this really made me aware that my experience is not the same as everyone else, and we need to work harder to make everyone, uh, women, uh, people of com- uh, colour, LGBTQ, uh, etc., feel safe and included. Um, and Jocelyn Erickson from the wonderful Hop On uh, Brewery Tours, I think there is a bit of catch-22. Unfortunately for the industry as a whole to be more inclusive, there needs to be a wider range of people involved, whether that's women, uh, people of colour, non-binary, etc. They might be hard to... That might be hard to do, not because people don't think it's a safe space to work, but because consumers, as a very broad generalisation, still think of it as a man's industry, meaning there is less of a chance that those minority groups will even find their way into the industry to make it more tolerant, diverse and inclusive. Um, And yeah, look, again, really good insights and, you know, it was some very good discussion came out of that conversation. So uh, yeah, all um, power to Claire for, for doing it and doing it so well. Well done, Claire, and well done to our, um, again, to our uh, Facebook group for adding to the the story. Absolutely. Um, now, Pete, just a bit of a last-minute inclusion for, and I didn't want to put this in news because I'm, I'm still digging into it, but Ooh, okay. got a ping from uh, Helios Brewery. Um, they've put up a Facebook post, um, uh, sorry, not a Facebook post, um, and speaking of which, uh, just jumping on our Facebook post, we seem to have been taken down. So maybe they don't like our, uh, they didn't like our coverage um, of uh, the perils of social media. So oh, we, so we seem to have been uh, zucked. Done us again. I don't know why. Like I, I don't know what. Um, what anyway? I'll be making and it shows why it doesn't really matter. Like subscribe to our email um, or the Facebook group. Anyway, um, excise tax re- uh, reduction creates sweet relief. Helios announces excise tax. Price changes. The latest reduction in excise tax for artisanal brewers has created some sweet relief here at Helios Brewing Company. After many spreadsheet calculations, we've decided to use a portion of that uh, relief to reward the people who have supported us in our three years of business. Um, Scott Schomer, Helios owner, said, Helios is pleased to announce a reduction in prices of our beers to our wonderful customers. On July 1, 2021, we will immediately reduce the takeaway price of all of our cases of beer by $5 and all four packs by $1. Growler and squealer prices will also see significant reductions, but will vary based on ABV. We are able to do this because of the relief in excise taxes. The government, um, oh, and they've linked to our article, um, the government has extended to artisanal brewers. While the tax relief is only for beer packaged after July 1, we're not going to wait to start passing on savings, which is interesting um, for two reasons. One, because you'll remember um, when it came out without sort of wanting to sour the justifiable celebrations um, about the government recognising craft brewers as worthy of, um, you know, support and assistance and even the attention of pre-announcing it. Um, One of the concerns that we covered on Brews News was concerns that brewers had said of, you know, this is going going to not help brewers. It's not going to stay in their pocket because some brewers are going to use it to reduce their prices. Um, and the other thing is it's going to attract more people into the industry, which is going to put even further competitive pressure on prices. And, you know, talking about that gravity um, issue, Pete, it's just one of those, um, you know, while the IBA um, said that this is going to be great for investment in breweries, just logically it seemed to defy basic business where if you've got savings or if you've got margin um, and everyone's got margin, some brewers are going to use that great mar- greater margin that they've been given to discount um, and lower their prices to get an advantage in the marketplace. 
And um, the email that the IBA um, sent out on the day of the announcement, um, Peter Philp uh, said, now it's up to us to make the most of this investment to help build a new Australian-owned brewing industry. We need to use these funds to invest in efficiency, capacity, and people to continue to win the battle in the marketplace. It would be short-sighted to see these funds as a short-term prop for margin, which would only be a quick race to the bottom. Trying to play a price game will play into the hands of our competitors, who will always be better able to fight a price war than we are. And we had a bit of a discussion when I spoke to Kylie and um, Peter on the Beer's conversation that week about it, um, where you know they were sort of saying, where Peter was very, um, you know, much saying brewers shouldn't use it to, to lower their prices. Um, so, you know, to, to see a brewery actually announce that they are lowering their prices, but to me personally, I remember um, when I talked about it, I said, well, you know, we'll probably see the brewers that have got a bigger um, wholesale range lower their prices because hoteliers and you know bottle shops are going to ask for lower prices, but that consumers in venue, you know, venues that are operating a um, tap room are probably going to be the biggest beneficiaries of it because, you know, $12 a schooner or $14 a schooner is just what you pay at a craft brewery and there's not the same level of pressure to lower your price. So it's interesting to see Helios has come out and um, lowered their tap room prices. They haven't talked about what their wholesale prices are going to be, so I'll, I'll look into that. But yeah, um, very very interesting news out this morning that you know they're, they're actually announcing that they're lowering their prices. To uh, without notice, because I haven't memorised everyone who's in the club. But yep. uh, Helios members of the IBA, they are, they are indeed. Because um, this was very much it, it was too. A two-party system, wasn't it? When when it was first announced, the big brewers were coming out and saying everyone should expect cheaper beer now because, uh, you know, CUB and Lime, we're, we're going to be able to pass these savings on. That was the Brewers uh, Association, yep. At the tap, the Brewers Association. Uh, whereas the IBA was saying don't expect discounts at the tap because what this will give the smaller producers the opportunity to do is Invest to improve their road, efficiencies, yep. uh, buy some new equipment, employ a new staff member, uh, whatever it might be. It's, it's, not, it's not going to be the you know the silver bullet that's going to say oh great everyone now we can just you know uh start making money by charging less for our beer so there, there was very much if you were in one camp you had to kind of toe one party line and, and and if you were the other the opposite but that's and you know like again not having a go at anyone in particular because when these things happen you you know there's been a lot well, of work competition in, in price mat only works if you're the only one doing it huh? well, so if you but even the incentives, um, you know, that the you know the, the people that are putting the message out there, um, you know, the, the IBA wants to be talking to its members about this is why the IBA matters because you are going to get this benefit in the um, you know in in your business and the Brewers Association, whose members are big brewers, you know, they want to get the word out there that you know they're supporting publicans by lowering their prices and giving publicans either greater margin or you know. Um, and you're just speaking to your constituency. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah. ultimately, that's where you need to weigh up what you read in the news with that little bit of, you know, who's saying it and what's their, not conflict, but what is their... Um, motivation. Interest. Yeah, motivation. But, you know, hopefully we won't see a race to the bottom because I think that will be destructive. But, you know... Well, as, as Peter Phillips' um, piece, when it first came out, said you know we, we're never going to be able to compete on price with the with the big guys we're never going to have those economies of scale that they that, that, that's afforded to them by the nature of the size of their business so we've got to go on you know everything that that 
that they're not. We, we can only we can only do what they can't. Absolutely, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you know, so so we're gonna we're gonna have a broader range. We're gonna we're gonna concentrate on flavors. We're gonna do innovation and um, interesting and uh, you know traditional styles. And uh, it, it's not just about uh, you know weapons of mass consumption. And I think that's a you know that that's a desirable aim for for those funds. And you know I think that's a lot of what it's going to going to go to in some elements. But at the same time, as you said, in a competitive market, people are going to be you know, looking for the advantages that they can get. Um, and, you know, in this case, Helios is lowering their price to reward their customers in, in, in the tap room, which actually comes to us as a surprise to me. But, you know, to again, it's a, a legitimate use of the funds. That'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on, I'm sure. If you've got comments, questions, if you have thoughts, uh, send them in to us either by email, carrier pigeon, smoke signal, whatever you want to use. The Facebook page that's still operating is usually a pretty good way to do it, or you can send us uh, an email, that sort of thing. The other one that I should mention, Matt, is Burkett Fluid Control Systems, because brewing great beer, you're listening, Ken Krogan, takes time <laughs> and it's considered artistry by brewers. So polishing the art and expanding for the future is made easier with fluidic controls and automation of your processes. So that enables more time for craft brewing, um, you know, flavour and uh, innovation and all those sorts of things. Instead of standing around stirring the mix, you know, get a machine to do it for you. This is where Burkett can assist. Burkett supports their Australian customers with single cable technology for future-proofing their tomorrow. Now that's smart. Go to www.burkett.com.au forward slash E-N and that's Burkett, B-U-R-K-E-R-T, Matt. Absolutely. And uh, go listen to my uh, chat with Burkett in the Brewery Pro. The Brewery Pro series. Mm. Yeah. Uh, now, if you do uh, have your name read out, uh, don't forget to get in contact with us because our very good friends at Thirsty Merchants supply us with uh, some very nice dog bone bar blades. Absolutely. very popular. You can and also get been going out. T-shirts. So jump onto the website. So lucky. See, we're good. We're clever. We have a website that's the main thing, and you can go there for everything. Thanks very much for that, Matt. Pleasure, Pete. Thank you. A little bit shorter this week. I wonder why. We don't have the boom in the room. <laughs> Did you hear that, Claire? Uh, no, look, we will. Is Claire back? Is she off for two back, weeks or no, just no. She'll be the birthday week? Yep. So she'll be back, back in the chair, back with the boom. Uh, thanks very much to Crymalt, to Relling's Label Stickers and Packaging, to Burkett Fluid System Controls and to uh, New Zealand Ale Trail for supporting the podcast. I've been your host, Pete Mitchum. He's been Matt Kierkegaard. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you, Pete. So until next week, drink fresh, drink local, look after yourselves and each other and wash your damn hands. And we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. 